Lord Jesus, would you meet us here this morning? God, whatever our week looked like, God, whatever distractions flood our minds as we enter into this space, Lord, we would ask that you would be at the front, that you would be at the center. Jesus, that this morning we would be able to hear from you. God, that, that you, would, you would hear our cries in the midst of waiting, in the midst of struggling, Lord, in the midst of being sick and juggling all sorts of circumstances, Jesus, that, that you would hear us this morning. God, that we could lean into you, Lord, that we could lean into your truth. Lord, for the folks that are missing this morning, whether from illness or from circumstance, Jesus, we lift them up to you. God, because we believe that you can heal them. We believe that you want to meet them wherever they're at. Lord, each person that, that maybe we wish we would see this morning, Lord, would we lift them up? Maybe in the quietness of your heart, if you would lift them up by name. Jesus, we trust you and you alone, regardless of our timeline. God, would you be glorified this morning? God, through our praises, through our prayers, and through, um, God, through preaching your word. Lord, we thank you that we were able to bless some folks in our neighborhood yesterday at the Cat Sanctuary and, and meet our neighbors. Lord, we, we love Knob Hill. God, I pray that you would help us uh, as we endeavor to love on Knob Hill the way that you would, you would love it. Lord, that we can serve in ways that would build bridges to your salvation and your truth. Lord, we, we give you today and we ask that you would just be about anchor as we have positioned ourselves to be about you. Lord, we love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' heavenly and holy and mighty name. Amen. Well, good morning. That's going to be on the podcast now. Uh-oh. Now the people online are going to know I'm weird. Uh-oh. Now it's trouble. Okay. Well, if they didn't know, it's all right. Uh, welcome to week three of waiting room and I have really enjoyed this series how about you guys oh thank you you never know if you're going to ask that you might be like eh, it's all right you've done better but um no it's been great I've really enjoyed this series and uh if you know announce about me you probably know that I'm not I don't really love waiting and we've talked about this we've talked about how waiting is annoying we've talked about how it's uh, painful We've talked about how it takes forever sometimes. And this morning, I actually kind of want to flip the script. Uh, because sometimes I think that we wait when we shouldn't. Uh, how many people in this room would say that they would consider themselves a procrastinator? <laughs> oh, okay. You guys did not procrastinate to put your hands up. You are pretty self-aware. That was good. Um, we procrastinate, don't we? Like... There's this idea out there that if I just wait long enough, the problem itself will go away. Does that ever work out? Don't eat. 
<laughs> okay, so we'll have to talk about procrastination next week. But uh, sometimes we just decide, like, we dig in our heels and we say, I'm just going to wait until it all resolves itself. And what if that day never happens and we're just waiting? I think sometimes we choose to wait because we're lazy. Like, let's just call it what it is. Because we don't want to act. Because we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to have that conversation. We don't want to walk across the room. We don't want to say the thing and be the bigger person yet again. Now, there was a man in Scripture who did this. And he made his whole life, 38 years of his life, about waiting. Turn with me to John chapter 5, if you have your Bibles with you. If, if not, it'll be on the screen behind me. But in John chapter 5... Starting in verse 1, it says this. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. That's a lot of porch, okay? Let's just admit that. Five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, one of the things that I like to do when uh, diving into scripture is first notice what it doesn't say. Do you notice what this doesn't say? It doesn't say that this man was looking for Jesus. It doesn't say that this man recognizes Jesus. It doesn't say that this man even asks Jesus who he is. For all we know, this man has no idea who Jesus is. It says that, that Jesus found him and knew that he had been sick. And suddenly I have like kind of a camaraderie with this man. Because how often in life do, does Jesus find me completely hopeless wandering around, waiting, procrastinating, and yet he looks for me. Whole crowds of sick people, and he finds this one man. And he asks this one question, do you want to be well? And so Jesus, it says that he enters from the sheep's gate. Now the sheep's gate was an entrance in the temple. And it was called the sheep's gate because they brought sheep through this gate. It's very complex, I know. Um, yes, uh, that, that's what my degree's for, so don't worry. Uh, <laughs> they brought sheep through this gate. And the, the sheep that they brought through this gate was for sacrifices. So oftentimes people would stop at the Pool of Bethesda and they would cleanse themselves. They would cleanse their sheep and then they would take them into the temple to be sacrificed. So this is the gate that Jesus was referring to in John chapter 10, verse 9. It says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely, and they will find good pastures. See, he uses those words intentionally to draw back to the symbolism of the sheep's gate, where people come to be made right with God. And so when we looked at this, this pool of Bethesda, it said that it had five porches. Like, I'd be lucky if I had one porch, right? They have five. 
And at first, scholars believed that this was just John taking like creative literature to another level and saying, wouldn't it be cool if there were five to represent the five and all of this stuff. But actually, they excavated the Pool of Bethesda. And I have a picture of what they said it would have looked like. Now, this wasn't a pentagram. This wasn't uh, five-sided in the sense that we initially thought. It's four-sided with a wall that divides it down the center. And what would happen is that water would come in, rainwater would come in, and it would pass through these channels. And the channels would, would purify the water. And it would stir the pool up. And it was said that when those waters were stirred up, when the pool was being purified, that it had healing properties. And, and so when, when Jesus finds this man, he's entering through, well, do you see that where it says North Temple Wall? He was entering on that side of the Pool of Bethesda. And he finds this man literally sitting the furthest away he could be from the healing pool. That's peculiar. Why would a man who's been sick for 38 years be so far away from healing? And that's where he finds him. Now, this man was paralyzed, it says. He had been sitting on a mat. So it's not easy <laughs> to get from one location to the next, not to mention the fact that he would have to cross through crowds of sick people. He would have to make friends in order to get there. And then he would also have to make his way through that wall dividing the two pools. And so when, he when Jesus finds this man, he says, do you want to be healed? After 38 years of being, sitting, <laughs> being sat on the wrong side of the pool, do you want to be healed? 38 years, this man sat there waiting waiting for a miracle. Now, it's kind of early, I guess, and so sometimes, you know, the creative visualizing juices don't flow, um, and so I figured I'd show you guys what this would look like, and if you remember last week, I threw out my back, and so I can't really do this, but I figured Kurt would help me out, because, um, you know, what else is assistant pa pastor for, right? So, Kurt, if you'd like to just lay down on this mat that I've laid out for you. I'm getting over. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so 38 years, this man, no, he did not lay like that. <laughs> you didn't tell me how to lay. You're paralyzed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, who lays down as like a calendar girl in the at the first thing? I don't know, but whatever. Okay. So this man is laying on this mat for 38 years. Now, this is kind of awkward in and of itself, and it's just Kurt, okay? Maybe that's why it's awkward, I don't know. But, but 38 years, this man sits and waits. And waits. Kurt was not even born 38 years ago. Look at, listen to verse, verse 6. It says, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? And I'll be honest with you, on the onset of this question, I think, that's a little ridiculous. 
Like, that's a little rude, Jesus. You know, if I walked up into church and Kurt was laying on the floor, I'd say, would you like help? Not, do you want to get well? And this seems like kind of an insensitive question, doesn't it? Do you want to be well? But no doubt, surrounding this man who was laying paralyzed, don't fall asleep on me, this man who was laying paralyzed, there was a community that formed. This pool was a place where all the sick and the hurt and the downtrodden, they found community. And the thing about community is that it will either spur you on, it will encourage and empower you and strengthen you, or it'll enable you. Enable you to say things like, oh, you're paralyzed? That sucks. And then keep on going. See, no doubt this man had found a community there. He had found sympathy and empathy at the pool. He had found people that were like him at the pool. I I like how Christine Kane put it. She said, these people that gathered together with the same issues, these people wanted to be accepted rather than changed. They wanted to be affirmed rather than changed. They wanted to be comforted rather than changed. They wanted to be enabled rather than changed. They wanted to be pitied rather than changed. The issue is Jesus is in the transformation business. And we get stuck. We get stuck in the same way that this man got stuck. And and it's with that that I ask you this question. Are you waiting for comfort or are you waiting for transformation? Are you waiting for Jesus just to tell you that it's okay that you're laying there? Or are you waiting for transformation? Because Jesus is about transformation. This man had sat there for 38 years. Even if 10 of those were sitting by the pool, don't you think, like, don't you think he could have wiggled? I don't know if wiggled is in Greek or anything, but don't you think, like, without the use of his hands and his legs, that he at least could, like, inch by inch make it down to at least the right side of the pool? See, the problem with that is, Kurt, if you could try to inch your way over, is that eventually he's going to have to leave his mat, isn't he? He's going to have to leave this comfortable mat. Hit my head on the chair. Laugh at my face. We uh, we don't want you to be paralyzed down there, actually. So be careful. But don't you think he could have made some effort to get down there? But he would have to leave the mat. He, he couldn't carry the mat with him. Like, no, no person is going to be like, oh, yeah, I will carry you and all of your luggage down to the pool. He had to leave it behind. Now, you can, you can get up if you'd like. Um, <laughs> please thank Kurt, Kurt for, 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 for laying down on the ground. But he, he would have to ditch the comfort of the mat to move on to where he could be healed. And man, we have mats, don't we? Oof. 
This is like the time of year for mats, isn't it? You know, I want to get healthy, but Taco Bell and TV, am I right? <laughs> you know, I can't leave those behind. You know, we say things like, I would really love for my marriage to be better, but I don't want to have to admit that he's right. Ugh, the worst. You know, I would love to not have to, like, have this, this thing that happened haunt my nightmares. But I don't want to be a crazy person. I don't want to go to counseling. That's for nut jobs. We say things like, I want to be closer to God. But I hate reading. Man, imagine getting to the pearly gates. And God's like, I didn't know you very well. And you say, I just hated reading. See, we make those excuses for ourselves and they become like mats. They are mats of comfort that we do not want to leave behind. Leaving where you are, it always requires discomfort. It always does. It requires risk because it requires us saying that this current way that I'm living isn't working. And I will make the change. And when I read this verse, I think, Jesus, how could you ask him such an insensitive question? But in the context of this, I think I would ask the same thing. Do you even want to be healed? Do you want to experience healing? One commentary, he said this, an Eastern beggar often loses a good living by being cured of his disease. See, not only would this man lose the community that had surrounded him for those years, he would lose his moneymaker. He would lose the sympathy of people giving him a dollar as they passed him on their way to give sacrifices. He would lose the comfort and the familiar. And when Jesus asked this man, do you want to be well, the question is an honest assessment. And let me ask you the same thing. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be transformed? Do you want different in your life? And look what happens. Verse 7, this is how he responds. I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have had no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, I need you to notice something incredibly important. Now, I said it's really important to notice what he doesn't say. What does he not say? Yes. He doesn't say, yes, I want to be well. Now, he continues to give all of the reasons why it will not happen. And nestled in this is a truth that we have to land on today, and that is this, that God will be as big as you let him be. God will be as big as you let him be. See, this man looks at Jesus and he says all the reasons why he can't be healed. And I have, he says, I have nobody to put me in the pool. Even if I got there, somebody always cuts in front of me. I can't be healed. Little does he know that he's standing in front of Jesus himself. And he's giving him reasons why it couldn't happen. I love how John Calvin puts it. He says, the sick man does what we nearly all do. He limits God's help to his own ideas 
and does not dare promise himself more than he conceives in his mind. I love that. He says, dares not promise himself more than he conceives in his mind. Have you ever done that? Lord, I don't want to dream too much. I don't want to hope too much. I'm going to keep and I'm going to ask these little prayers because I can trust you with them. So um, one of the things that Valerie and I do, uh, we do this thing called deep water total body fitness. And that is too lengthy to say, so I call it SWITNESS because it's swim fitness and we're cool. And you, let me tell you, you have to do anything that you can to feel cool when you're at swim fitness. Um, and so we started, uh, about a year ago we started going and <laughs> we went to this deep water total body fitness and this lady, she pulled out these fun noodles. Do you guys know what a fun noodle is? Okay. So she pulls out these fun noodles and I'm like, this seems fun. Like, I'm going to have a blast and a half at this exercise class. I'm excited. And then she tells me the funniest joke. Uh, she says, I want you to stand on the fun noodles in the deep side of the pool. And I thought, that's, that's odd, but okay. And so I wedged this pool noodle <laughs> under my feet, and I'm kind of standing. And the most embarrassing thing happens. I'm surrounded by all of these people that I'm like 30 years their junior, and my pool noodle keeps shooting up over the surface <laughs> because I cannot help myself. I cannot stay on that stupid pool noodle. And I get, finally, I stabilize myself, and I'm like, I will stay on this pool noodle even if I drowned. This will be my last moment. And I get on this pool noodle. And then she says an even funnier joke. She says, now do squats. What? Okay. Yeah, I t totally. And so I start doing <laughs> squats in the water. And, and then she says, now go from side to side. And I was like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to lose it. And I was like, no, I'm not. This will be it. I will stay on the fun noodle. And so I stay on the fun noodle, but something happens. And my balance is off. And I start flopping around. And I start flailing my arms, and I start getting ex really panicky, honestly. And I'm a good swimmer, but I was like, I'm going to drown today. And I'm flailing, and I'm flopping, and Valerie turns to me, and she says, Lindsay, put your feet down. And I had panicked my way all the way to the three-foot end of the pool, okay? <laughs> all right? <laughs> it's not pretty, but that's, that's just life, okay? <laughs> That's your pastor. And, and that's what happened. And I tell you this because in our limited understanding, we will make stupid decisions. In our limited understanding of God, we will make stupid decisions. If I, in my finite understanding, can decide that I'm going to drown in three feet of water, imagine the things that I can think about God that aren't really true. Imagine the ways that I can limit what he can do. No wonder our lives don't change. No wonder we procrastinate. We forget that he is an all-creative, all-powerful, all-loving God. This man, he sits there and he tells Jesus all the reasons that he could not be healed. And I wonder if while he's talking, Jesus is saying, 1,532 hairs on his head. <laughs> Could it be possible that your current circumstance, God has something planned that you haven't thought of? Single folks, 
Could it be possible that God cares about you more than OkCupid? Uh, people that are stuck in addiction, could it be possible that God has more power than you do? Folks that are waiting for an answer to prayer, could it be possible that his timeline is better than yours? Could it be possible that we are flopping around like idiots in the three-foot end of the pool, not understanding how much God sustains us? But it requires that we trust. It requires that we trust that his hands are bigger than ours and that his ways are better and that his timing is perfect. Listen, on my best day, I cannot wrap my mind around the fact that God breathed life into existence. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. And Jesus sees this man knee-deep in his excuses, limitations, procrastinating, waiting for no reason. Meanwhile, is he recalling what it was like to knit this man together in his mother's womb? That's the greatness of our God. Verse 8, Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. See, this miracle is one of the most confusing ones of Jesus' miracles that he performed. Oftentimes throughout Scripture, you see people getting healed because people laid hands on that person. You know, you see people that made a step of faith towards Jesus, and that faith produced healing. You see a story of friends lowering a man before Jesus, and that man borrowed the faith of his friends, and he was healed. This man has done none of those things. He's done nothing. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And yet God picks him out of a crowd and says, pick up your mat and walk. And I, 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 I struggle to see this because I see my life and I see I'm constantly asking and praying and seeking the Lord and still things are not answered. And God picks out a man who's not even by the right side of the pool. And he says, pick up your mat and walk. There's this truth here that is nestled, and if you're not careful, you'll miss it. And that's that no matter what is going on, no matter what the last 38 years of your life has looked like, Jesus' timeline, God's will, it's not subject to it. He meets this man, and he says, get up and walk. And the miracle that day I would suggest, is not even that the man is walking. The miracle happens just 20 seconds before that. When this man looks at Jesus, and he kind of sizes him up, and decides that he's going to trust him. 
He's going to trust him to get up off of this mat. There's this quote from We Bought a Zoo. Benjamin Mee says it. He says, you know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something will come of it. Something great will come of it. 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery. This man has 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery. Of saying, I will trust Jesus. I will trust him. And I will make that decision. I will take the risk. And listen to me. There, there are pastors, we love to come up here and sell you Jesus like a new car. You know, for free 99, you can have eternal salvation. Sign on the dotted line and your life will never be the same. But let me tell you, all of that means nothing if we can't commit to 20 seconds of insane bravery at a time. All of, like, life's biggest decisions, biggest moments, the stuff that we live for, they happen with 20 seconds of insane bravery when we ask the question, when we walk across the room, when we sign the papers, when we say yes. It's all risk. And yet we go through this life and we get comfortable on our mats. And you know what our mats convince us of? That we don't have to risk. That we don't have to have courage. We can be comfortable where we are. I want to invite the worship team up as we close today. See, I think that our lives, we're far from perfect. You know, if you stub your toe and then your sanctification's gone, I don't know how all of this works. Our lives are far from perfect, but what if we could master 20 seconds of courage? What if we could master small decisions to trust Jesus? Uh, Mike Greenberg, he says this. He says, life is a series of thousands of tiny miracles. You know, I'd love to stand up here and tell you if you wait long enough, things will all fall into place. If you just wait long enough, everything will change. But that's not true. Life is not one miracle. It's thousands of them. It's thousands of moments where we decide that we are going to trust God. God's not waiting for you to be faithful in the next chapter of your life. He's not waiting for you to be faithful tomorrow. He's waiting for you to be faithful now. He's waiting for the next 20 seconds for you to decide that, to have courage, to trust him. And I wonder if I were to ask you, where is God wanting you to trust him with the next 20 seconds. Maybe it's in your marriage. Lord, I need to trust you with the next 20 seconds. God, I need to ask this question. Lord, I need to say that I'm sorry. Maybe he's asking you to trust him with the next 20 seconds of your future. 20 seconds at a time. Maybe he's asking you to trust him with the next 20 seconds of your finances. 
or your addiction or your struggle or your past? Where is he asking for 20 seconds of insane, embarrassing bravery? Because here's the cool thing. We know the end of the story. Homeboy walks home. Like, that's really cool. (laughs) Because he believes and he trusts that God can do the impossible. Luke 18, verse 27, it says, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Today I look into this church and I see impossible circumstances represented. Lord, relationships that are beyond repair. Illnesses that seem uncurable. Lord, so many things seem bigger than I am. Lord, but I want to declare today that you are bigger than any circumstance ahead of me. That you are stronger, Lord, than the ties that bind. Lord, that you love me more than I could ever imagine. Jesus, I pray that you would give us eyes to see Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, the truth about who you are. Today we're going to sing a song called The Way. And my challenge for you is, as you reflect and as you pray, and as you worship God today, that, that you would use this almost as your battle cry. That despite everything that could be going wrong. He still is the truth. He still is the way. He still is our life.